I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. The mantra I've been saying is connection is protection. And it really is. And we've found that over and over in the research and in my own family is that when we're stressed, and even though we're together, you can be with someone and not connected. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. This week, I have a timely and jam-packed conversation all about supporting our differently wired kids during this unusual holiday pandemic season. I know that so many parents barely holding themselves and their kids together are now staring down an upcoming holiday season that's going to look and feel very different and are wondering how they're going to make it through. My guest, Dr. Rebecca Brandstetter, is here to help us flip the switch and instead think of this year as a gift in a not-so-great package, as she puts it. Rebecca is a school psychologist, speaker, author, and most importantly, a fellow parent wading through this pandemic best she can. She's also the founder of the Thriving School Psychologist Collective and the author of several books, including The Thriving School Psychologist, and the Everything Parents Guide to Children with Executive Functioning Disorder. Let me just say, Rebecca came well prepared for this topic, as in, you might want to take notes. You will hear practical, helpful, and creative strategies for helping our differently wired kids deal with uncertainty, canceled traditions, unstructured time, unrealized expectations, and managing your own stress and anxiety as a parent. What I love about this conversation is the encouragement to think of the challenges of this year as an opportunity for something different, something it may turn out is just what your family needs. I feel much more fortified for the upcoming holidays after talking with Rebecca. I hope this episode has the same impact on you too. All right, and now here is my conversation on surviving the pandemic holiday with Rebecca Brandstetter. Rebecca Brandstetter. 
Hello, Rebecca. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes, this is a very timely conversation. And I also just appreciate you doing this kind of last minute. But I'm so happy that we get to squeeze this conversation in because we are talking about pandemic holidays, which are nearly upon us, and the struggle is real. So I'm excited to hear everything you have to share with us today. But before we get to that, can you give us a little bit more of an introduction to yourself and the work that you do in the world? Yeah, so my my fancy credentials are that I've been a school psychologist for 20 years. And in that role, I've really enjoyed helping families understand how their kids learn, um, what's getting in the way, and what do we do about it. And then, of course, as a school psychologist, I see all kinds of challenges in the schools. And really, there has been nothing like 2020 in terms of the layers of challenges that we have had. But what is really important um, is that not only am I a school psychologist, but I'm also a mom of two. And I always joke that I was a perfect parent before I was a parent, <laughs> right? Um, I had all this knowledge. I went to UC Berkeley and I had a, you know, my PhD and all those years of experience when I became a mom. And something that I think um, gives me some street cred is that I am pandemic parenting with all of you as well. I have a sixth and a nine-year-old who have been on distance learning since the very beginning and never gotten off. So, you know, it's one of those things where my personal and professional kind of roll together into one in that I am just along with you, like kind of building the plane as you're flying it when it comes to pandemic parenting. But um, I have been able to connect with uh, school psychologists across the country about best practices that are basically emerging as we go. Um, because I'm also the founder of the Thriving School Psychologist Collective, which is an online professional learning community for school psychologists. So we meet all the time and think about how can we support parents during these crazy times. And now as we are rolling into the holidays, a lot of folks are having sort of uh, COVID fatigue, if you will. It's just been a long haul. Yeah, COVID fatigue. It, it is this perfect storm that I'm sure you're sensing you know, among the community that you serve and, and your professional relationships and as a parent. And uh, yeah, and just to add, being a parent is a very humble experience, especially when you've been working in the kids space for years, and you think you're going to nail it. And then our kids always have a different plan for us, don't they? They do. And I think, you know, it's something that I talk to parents all the time about, about tapping into internal parental wisdom, because you know, information is not transformation. So when I became a parent, I had a lot of information, but I wasn't really able to apply it to my own parenting without some really thoughtful considerations. It's so much more nuanced than you think. And we can probably even remember as parents when we first had our little ones and we we're going through the first kind of developmental challenge of sleep training. And I very vividly remember having on my bedside table two books that had great information. One was called the cry it out sleep solution. And one was called the no cry sleep solution, <laughs> both written by fancy people. And I remember looking at it and being like, wait, what? And so I had to very early on take what I knew about child development, child rearing, and then apply it to, you know, my kiddos. And you, if you have more than one kiddo out there, you know that sometimes something that works fabulously works not work for another child, right? So um, it's that dance between the information and then applying it with your own kiddos because they all have their own, you know, particular needs. And one of my kids 
really benefited from one of those strategies and one of my kids did not. And so it's, it's kind of the wisdom to know what's right for your kid. Yes. And we get to discover that wisdom uh, daily. Our kids give us a lot of opportunities, minute. Yes, Bye, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially now we're getting a close up view of so much. So let's talk about what we're experiencing this upcoming holiday. So as we're recording this, we've just been through for the listeners in the US, we've just gone through Thanksgiving. And that was strange for many of us. But now we're coming into the Christmas, the Hanukkah, the Kwanzaa holidays, where there's just so many more expectations. There are so many more ideas about what it should look like and what it should feel like. And and our kids, depending on their age, may have a lot of ideas about how they want to experience it. So what are you kind of noticing within the professionals that you talk to and and the families that you're in community with? Like, what are some of the biggest things people are concerned about right now? Yeah. So one of the things that we're noticing from the pandemic is if your child had you know, some challenges with managing big feelings like disappointment or anger or sadness before the pandemic, those things are kind of amplified, right? Magnified. So what I'm hearing and experiencing in my own family is that there's a big old expectation mismatch um, between what our kids expect things to roll out and how things are going to actually roll out. And there's also a lot of ambiguity. A lot of us don't know. So what's happening right now is there's a lot of canceled traditions. There's a lack of socialization and the things that kids used to be able to do over holiday break, have fun camp, see their friends, see grandma, you know, those things are all mostly canceled. So this is actually one of those things that I think is a weird gift in a very not great package, um, which is an opportunity. It's unexpected gift of helping our kids manage these disappointments the anger or sadness around this. And just a real world example <laughs> that just happened is, um, you know, we weren't able to go anywhere for Thanksgiving, right? And that was a disappointment. And a lot of the um, play dates that, you know, my kids really want to have right now over holidays that they're used to having, they can't have. So this is a chance to teach kids how to cope with that. Because these canceled traditions and, you know, this mismatch of expectations can really trigger kids. It can really ramp up those big feelings. Yeah. And and you mentioned to not knowing yet. And I think that's a lot of us are uncertain about what we're going to do for Christmas because we're kind of waiting and seeing what happens. And, you know, are we going to travel? Aren't we? And I know for a lot of differently wired kids, that kind of last minute change of plans can also be really hard or just the uncertainty surrounding something. So can you talk more about that and maybe specifically managing disappointment, especially I feel like we've been doing that really since March, right? It feels like it's been one disappointment after another. And right now, because I feel like our kids are so, they're just done. I mean, we all are. We are done with this. So just wondering if you have any specific language or how we can really, I don't know, help them manage this disappointment in a way that feels, I don't even know the the right word. I, I just feel so bad for our kids who are probably building resilience right now. But they've been, we've asked them to do a lot. Yeah, our kids deserve medals. And especially our kids who are differently wired right now. I mean, they are really, their whole world's got turned upside down. And as adults with coping skills, our world's got turned upside down and we're struggling. So can you imagine being a little person and you may already have lagging skills and just managing your big feelings? I mean, it's, it's a lot. So I think there's kind of a distinction I love to make between 
processing and problem solving. So right now, I think the time is ripe for processing. What I mean by processing feelings is when kids have, and this is kind of like in the moment strategies, um, when you tell your kid, no, we can't go on a play date because their family did a big Thanksgiving dinner, right? And so now I don't feel comfortable you having a play date even if it's outside, you know, and then they have a reaction. So one of the things that I talk about in Make It Stick Parenting course that I have um, in collaboration with um, Elizabeth Sauter, who's a speech language pathologist, um, one of the metaphors we use when kids are in stress mode, they kind of go one of two ways. And if this were not a podcast, I would show you puppets to illustrate, but you can visualize, I'm sure. So um, when kids are stressed out um, in that moment, we see there are kind of one or two kind of directions they go. They can either kind of turn more porcupine or more turtling. So porcupining is that sort of acting out or um, yelling or throwing or sort of outside behaviors, just like really big reactions, right? And like a porcupine, they kind of have their quills out and you can't hug them and they're just really agitated. Um, or your child might go towards being, being like a turtle, which is sort of withdrawing, putting on themselves under the covers, retreating, not talking, right? Kind of that withdrawal behavior. And of course, we have kids that, you know, can turtle pine, if you're going to create a new <laughs> word, which is they can be really angry and they lash out, but also be very withdrawn. And so when you see these behaviors, maybe as a result of some holiday disappointment, I think one of the things that is so crucial is that that is not the time for problem solving. Because their brains are not online for problem solving. Their brains are in fight, flight, freeze when they're stressed. I kind of liken it to, you know, if you know you had a rough day and you come home to your partner and say, God, I had the worst day and I got in an accident and, you know, all these things went wrong and work was horrible. And, you know, I don't even know if I like my job. And, you know, maybe what you need in that moment is for someone to be like, man, that's tough. Tell me about it. Versus, all right, we're going to get on LinkedIn and we're going to get you a new job. And, you know, like you don't really want people sometimes to just jump into problem solving. You want them first to like see you and say, yeah, that is tough. And our kids are the same way. And so there's a concept that many of your listeners probably know about called co-regulation. And this is kind of that shared state of calmness. When caregivers come to a porcupine or turtle moment with calm, it regulates your child. It reduces their stress response. There's no faster way to calm your child down than to bring calm. Because, and I've said this before, and I've done a, uh, not TikTok, but an Instagram reel about it. And it was like the most popular thing I've ever posted, which was an escalated adult cannot de-escalate an escalated child. Meaning, it's kind of the check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of (laughs) philosophy, if you will, in another way which is if your child is a porcupining and turtle, it does you no good to come in full porcupine quills blazing or, you know, retreating from them. When you bring calm to the chaos, that can help them. So process before problem solve. Some of the language I've been using with my own kiddos that has been like one of those things like, why did I not have this golden phrase in my pocket my whole life? It makes sense you feel that way. There's nothing that calms my kids down much. Like, I can't have this play today and I, this is terrible and crying. And, you know, it makes sense that you would be so, so disappointed right now. Look, I'm not solving the problem. I'm not making the coronavirus go away and I'm not making her best friend's family not do a big Thanksgiving dinner so that we can't see them. I'm just telling her it makes sense that you feel that way. 
So that's the in the moment strategy. Mm-hmm. I love that language. I'm always so grateful when my guests tell me exactly what to say. And, you know, we talk a lot on this show about empathy and supporting them and holding that space for them. But I really like this language of, you know, it it makes sense because it's validating as well. It's not just saying, you know, oh, you're really upset or I can see you're upset. I'm here for you. But at this addition of it really makes sense that you're feeling this way. I can see how that would really resonate. Yeah, and it works for adults too. Like if you're a porcupine or turtle, because let's, you know, a lot of parents are working from home. I'm one of them. And my kids, you know, barge in and Zoom calls and I'm just one like Zoom call away from being a meme where like my kid walks in the screen with pants off or something like I'm just, <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, uh, nuance around parenting in a pandemic at home. And, you know, th- this stress that we all feel as parents, you know, out there as you're listening, it makes sense that you're stressed right now. Of course you are. We're doing the best we can under the circumstances. And it's another thing that I think is so important. Another phrase that has been my go-to since, I don't know, March 13th, <laughs> approximately, um, is when I do any sort of like criticism of myself and parents, you know, out there, I know you do it. Like you feel guilty because you snapped at your kid or you aren't spending enough time with them because you're tending to your work and you feel bad about it. Or, you know, you make a parenting decision and it doesn't go well. And this, you know, you make the best decisions you can at the time with the information and none of us needs to beat ourselves up for not being psychic. But one of the phrases that I love to use in this time is when I find myself criticizing my parenting or projecting a criticism on my kids for their behavior, I add a phrase to the end of it. And that phrase is in a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. So let me give you an example. My child tore up her math homework in a global pandemic. My child is not focusing on Zoom and I'm getting emails from my teacher in a global pandemic. My house looks like crap right now (laughs) in a global pandemic. Like I did not get through my emails today. I got like nothing done in a global pandemic. It gives ourselves empathy. And when we do that, we actually are modeling for our kids on how to give ourselves grace. So it's a double gift. I, I love that. I'll be using that as well. I mean, I've definitely said that sometimes like, well, we are in a global pandemic after all, but I can see again, the value of just adding that to everything because it provides context. It reminds us constantly that these are unusual times. And as I've been talking about for months, it is, it is definitely a time to lower the bar for all of us. Yeah. I sometimes say, relax your standards to a level appropriate for a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and I say that with my school psychologist colleagues, because they they want nothing more than to be back at school helping kids and you know, doing it on Zoom. And they're doing the best they can with what they can right now. But yeah, it's tough for everyone. Yeah, And so those are sort of like in the moment strategies that I found really helpful. We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. 
The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. One of the other things that I'd love to share with your listeners is an opportunity to be proactive. So we're like just about to have our holiday break. So our kids are still kind of in the distance learning space, but we're thinking about the holidays and we're thinking about the things we are not doing, the things we don't know if we're doing. And by the way, the opposite of, you know, when you think about like uncertainty being a bad thing, right? The opposite of uncertainty is not certainty. It's actually presence. Hmm. It's being present and this is how it is right now. This is what we know. This is the information we have on the table. We do not know if we're going to do our trip. That's, we are being present in it. We are worried about grandpa. That is what it is. So it's changing those what ifs to what is, right? And I actually do a mental exercise in my own brain. I like, like you know, neon lights or whatever, like in front of my brain, <laughs> like they pop up, like what if, what if it is, what is that, what is that? And I delete if and I put is, what is, what is, is I don't know right now. And there's something comfort about just kind of leaning into that present experience. Mm -hmm. Such a good reminder. And yeah, the opposite of uncertainty is presence. I've never heard of that before, but. I got it off of Instagram where I get much of my wisdom. And I've I've tried (laughs) to source the original person (laughs) who said it. And you know, when you do that, like 6,000 people come up and like everyone said it. So I'm not sure. Like Socrates or yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like Socrates and Maya Angelou. Like really both of them? So anyway, I'm not sure who said it. Thank you to whoever said it because it really resonates with me. Yeah. Um, one of the other things, and this is an art activity, 
which if you have younger kids and even works for teenagers too, my colleague, Elizabeth Sauter and I, who partnered together in our make it stick parenting course, she has teen boys and I have young girls. So we would try these across the gender and uh, age spectrums. Um, there's something, are you familiar with the concept of future sketch? No. So this is a Sarah Ward. I can't attribute it to Sarah Ward. She works a lot in executive functioning. And I've written a couple books on executive functioning, and I'm always citing her because she's fabulous. Executive functioning is all the skills it takes to reach a goal, right? Planning, organizing, forward thinking, all of those things when we think of executive functioning. But executive functioning are planning skills during a pandemic, right? When you're not sure what's going to happen. Um, there's actually a really interesting opportunity. So if your child is ADHD or if your kid is anxious and they just cannot live in that what if space, it's just really hard for them. Or if your kid is maybe on the spectrum or kind of quirky and like they really struggle with like flexibility, right? This was the plan and now it's not the plan. All of a sudden, there's an opportunity to teach here. So here's an art activity that I recommend trying on that I've tried with my kids. And it was actually uh, one of those things that I did at the beginning of distance learning. And now I'm I'm rebooting. And I think you can reboot this many, many times. So one of the things about future sketch is the ability to plan actually involves a mental imagery process. You imagine your future self doing something. This is a great because it lends itself to, you know, being able to draw. So kids who don't have really rich language or vocabulary, they can draw these things. So for a quick example, what I did with my kids at the beginning of the pandemic is I said, draw a picture of what you think distance learning is going to look like when we go back to school. If everything went well, draw a picture of what that would be. And I drew one, and my husband drew one, and my two girls drew one, and we compared them. (laughs) Our future sketches were really different. My eldest was, you know, on her bed with the puppy. You know, we got a quarantine puppy, you know, they're all the rage, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then my little one was alone at the breakfast bar with the puppy. And I had drawn them like sitting you know, designated office space together. And then my husband do something totally different. So look, we were able to head off at the path, these challenges. Like first off, it was an opportunity for problem solving. You do this when you're in a nice, happy space, by the way, no one should be in porcupine or turtle mode when you're doing these planning things, right? And you plan out like, okay, so you both want to have the puppy. How's that going to work? And it's an opportunity for problem solving. Or, hey, you do yourself alone, but I think six-year-olds might need support from their parent during distance learning let's talk about that, right? So you can do that. So when it comes to the holiday, you can draw, and actually this came out to me because I watched, have you, I'm I'm sure you have, have you seen the movie Elf? And have you seen it recently? A couple of years ago, yeah. Okay, so this is our like transition to holiday rituals. Like we all watch Elf, right? So there's a scene in which Will Ferrell as Elf decides that he wants to hang out with his newly found father and he gets an Etch-A-Sketch out and he writes, we're going to do ice skating and snow angels for two hours and you know, a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough and snuggle, right? He's got his list. He's planned it out. And then the dad looks at him kind of funny and he, he like shakes it. And he's like, okay, no, we're not going to do that. Um, so what is your kid's future sketch of the holidays? What is Christmas going to look like? What Hanukkah going to look like if things go well? And look, if they draw a picture of themselves at the big you know, holiday dinner in, in Colorado and you, you know, where you normally go and you're not going to go this year, then you can talk about it. It's a great visual plan. And then you can um, use it as an opportunity for teaching executive functioning and planning skills, teaching way to cope with anxiety, teaching flexibility. Um, The great thing about the Etch-A-Sketch metaphor is like, you have to might have to like shake it up. It might have to happen. Some plans are not in stone. So it's kind of a nice forward thinking 
and contingency plan, heading things off at the pass when it comes to things that might be limited or changed. And also just like a big old massive unstructured time. Like nothing probably gets parents more porcupiney or maybe I'm projecting when kids are like, I'm bored. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have like a whole world of things to play Mm -hmm. with or whatever. Right. And so all this unstructured time at home, you might say, let's draw a picture of a number of activities that we can do over break. Right. Let's do a 12 days of fun advent calendar. (laughs) And we're going to draw 12 different things we could do when we're feeling bored, unsettled, annoyed, cooped up, whatever feeling might be happening for your family. I love that. I, I'm a big fan of getting everyone's expectations out because we all, as you said, we all tend to have a different picture in our mind of what this is going to look like. And that addition of the drawing a picture is such a nice creative way to go about that, If especially if kids are not as verbal or they're more into drawing as a way of expression. But I, I love that because it does give you the chance to problem solve around things And then also just kind of see where everybody is. And maybe then you plan, what can we make happen? You know, what are the things that we can, that we can each kind of check off our list. And I I even like the idea of making sure that everybody gets like one or two things over the holiday that, that they really own, or that's really special to them so that everyone can come out the other end feeling like they got to do something that felt really special to them. Yeah, I think this is an opportunity, again, um, in a very troubling package as a gift here, um, which is that we can collaborate and teach problem-solving skills. We can distill the holidays down to actually the essence of what's really important, which is connection. And even before March 13th, when shelter-in-place happened here in California, you know, I've always looked at the research on um, resilience and trauma prevention, and stress management. And the number one thing over and over, hands down, no contest in the research that protects kids from stress is connection. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't, it can be that 10 minutes of playing Harry Potter Legos with your kids. It can be doing go noodle dance breaks, or it can be shooting hoops. It can be making cookies together. What's important is that kids feel seen and heard and connected. And actually, as I was preparing for this podcast, I was trying to think of creative ideas for new traditions, COVID style, that would tap into this opportunity for connection. And the mantra I've been saying is connection is protection. And it really is. And we found that over and over in the research and in my own family is that when we're stressed, and even though we're together, you can be with someone and not connected. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're physically together, figure out opportunities to be emotionally together. So uh, if you like, and I would love to you know, pick your brain too, um, this is one that came to me this morning um, because my kids still love to do art. And you know those connection chains that they make in kindergarten where there's like little strips of paper and they make them into links and they like tape or glue them together and they mm-hmm. make a big old long chain. I was just thinking this morning, this is something I want to do with my kids. I haven't tried it on for size yet, but is to get out strips of paper and then write on them all the things that we might like to do over break together. Build the Hedwig Harry Potter. Uh, things that maybe I haven't had time to do because I've been 
you know, working from home and they've been distance learning, um, take a walk in the neighborhood and uh, do a scavenger hunt. It doesn't matter what it is. Something your kid likes to do, get them involved. And then I was thinking you can pull them from a jar or something. <laughs> and then every time we did them, we would make a chain. And then maybe by the end of break, we'd have a really pretty decoration. So get creative, maybe yeah. a connection chain. I like that. I, I'll i just share the things. First of all, I, I work more than a full-time job and I somehow think I have all this leisure time, but I am going to create time for myself this break. And I'm thinking about crocheting, which I haven't done in years. I'm like, I'm going to make a big throw. I'm scrapbooking. Like I've got all these big projects of which I'll probably just make a dent in one. But I do like that idea of, you know, putting everything in a jar and having all these things so that, you know, you can even wake up and see, should we just roll the dice and see what's on deck for today? And and then collecting them in a chain. That's a very sweet idea. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And it's something that we have built into our family culture that a lot of families, you know, honestly, there's a lot of things like I know, but I don't do. Like I know all <laughs> the research on gratitude. I know it's the surest, fastest way to reducing stress, right? But it's one of those things that is sort of hard to cultivate. It sounds so simple, right? But it's not easy to fold gratitude into your day. So there's three things that I actually would love to share with your audience about cultivating gratitude practices. And this is sort of the season of giving and the season of being thankful, right? So I am all about practical ways to infuse this into your family culture. So I do want to share that our family has a gratitude jar. And we put in little moments that we we call it the love jar because they just like bombed it with stickers hearts and stuff like that. And it sits on our kitchen counter with a little post-its. And every day people just kind of put them in there as things occur to them. And we read them out together every Sunday 
on ice cream sundae with ice cream sundaes. Okay. It's become a ritual. And I was reading one of these articles, one of my favorite um, places I, I write for them is Greater Good Science Center. They take science and turn it into real life. So the gratitude piece of it, I was reading why the pandemic is so hard for youth. And one of the reasons is because a lot of rituals are gone, especially coming of age rituals. And so this becomes our family ritual. And it's amazing and adorable to read what your kids appreciated. And one of them is just like so cute. Like I love when, you know, the puppy snuggles up to me. Um, I love when um, my sister um, gives me a hug, like things I was like, you do? Oh, who knew, right? Or like, you can reinforce your husband's taking out the compost behavior if you like. Like, I really love how you took out the stinky <laughs> compost, right? Give a little attaboy because you want him to repeat that behavior. Um, but it's a fun ritual, this gratitude jar. And I actually, I'll take it a step further because why not? So I know the jar's there. And like the first when the jar was there, we're all jazzed about it, right? And then I sort of fell by the wayside. And there's been a Sunday or two where it's like one sticky in there. And like, ah, oh, we got to reboot that. So I actually, this is something on habit formation. This is kind of for parents, but you can teach your kids too. If you want to cultivate a new habit, pair it with something you already do. So I, every morning, make coffee without fail. (laughs) (laughs) And while it is brewing, I take 10 deep breaths and I think of something I'm thankful for that morning. And then I write it down in the gratitude jar because I'm already doing that now they're paired together, I never forget Hmm. one gratitude. And the research on gratitude is so fascinating. So our brains are evolutionarily primed to scan for negative. And if we, in the morning, see something negative, our brains scan for more negative. Our brain loves patterns. You know, your brain is going to be scanning for negative things. But if you start with gratitude, your brain actually, it's kind of spooky. Like you start scanning for the positive. There's a concept that I just learned called positive rumination. So if you think of rumination, you usually think of like brooding and thinking about all the bad things and just like rehashing, why'd I say that? And all those. There's positive rumination. This is a gift we can give our kids, helping them look for the good, look for the connection, look for the gratitude and making it visual. A lot of our kids with additional needs need some visual reminders. We need visual reminders. So the gratitude jar is kind of something that you can start on your own for the holidays, and then keep it going. I love that positive rumination. That's great. I've never heard that before. That's I awesome. Across it. I like it. So you've shared so much today. I'm just going to kind of recap. And then I have one more question for you. So we talked about processing and co-regulating with our kids. We talked about getting present, uh, helping to set expectations, and then problem solving. We talked about prioritizing connection with our kids Um, planning things for everyone, right? So that we all get things to do. And then this gratitude practice. So can we just touch on one other thing before we close out this conversation? And that is, you know, you talked about parent stress before. It's something that is just a very real thing right now. So any words of wisdom or great ideas for how we as parents can manage our own energy that we haven't talked about yet today? Yeah. So a lot of times we think of self-care as parents, like, oh, that's a nice to have, or that's a reward at the end of the day, you know, a bubble bath or some chocolates. And I'm pro bubble bath. I am pro chocolate. I'll go right on record. Um, That's a nice thing to have, but self-care is more than that. Self-care is something you kind of do off the job. 
it's your crochet project that you're going to do, right? <laughs> you're going to carve out some time for self-care. But what's actually more important is self-compassion. Self-compassion, you can do on the job as a parent when the stress is really happening. What I mean by self-compassion, it's treating yourself like you would a best parent friend when things don't go well. So look, if you're having a bubble bath and eating chocolates and you're saying, I'm doing self-care, but you're sitting in that bubble bath and you're beating yourself up for making a big fat parenting mistake, or you're sitting there worrying about your kid and you know going down a shame spiral over something you should have done differently, that's not self-care anymore. That is you know beating yourself up in self-care behavior. So Parents out there, when you think about behaviors, yeah, self-care Sunday should be every day. Carve out you time. Get some rebooting energy. Take a walk by yourself. All those behaviors are super important. But also your mindset is important. When you're in stressful moments, these holiday seasons, when things are not going your well, cultivate your internal parental pause button. Take a breath. Stop. Be mindful. I am feeling upset, worried, annoyed frustrated, cooped up, exacerbated, whatever. Name it to tame it is something that Dan Siegel says, right? Mm -hmm. Name it to tame it. And then remind yourself, we're in this together. Look, there's a common humanity here. We are all struggling. We are all in stress and maybe not all at the same time, but we are absolutely all in it together. And then thirdly, what would I advise my best parenting friend to do? So like if Debbie came to me and said, I had the worst day, Uh, my kids blew up and then I blew up at them. You know, I would probably lean in with great compassion and be like, I get it. This happens. We're all in this together. We all have shorter fuses because we're stressed. And what do you need right now? It makes sense that you would feel upset right now, Debbie, right? Instead, sometimes parents go to beating themselves up instead of giving themselves the same loving, tender care they would give a best friend. So make sure in addition to self-care, carving out time, you're also giving yourself some self-compassion. Such a great reminder. Listeners, I'll leave this in the show notes pages. If you haven't listened to my conversation with Kristen Neff, she is kind of a self-compassion guru, and it, it is such an important thing that we practice right now. So thank you for reminding us about that. And also listeners know I am like the unapologetic self-care practitioner. That is my jam. So again, great reminder. And something I was recently on a pandemic holiday webinar with Laura Vanderkam and Christine Co. And one of the things I took away from that conversation is to even make sure that 10 minutes a day, you do that one thing for yourself. It might be a walk or it might just be, you know, it might be my crochet project, which I will do whilst streaming the Great British Bake Off or something like that. But, you know, think about making sure that you proactively make that 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes for yourself every day to do something So thank you so much for that. So before we say goodbye, can you let listeners know where they can learn more about your work and connect with you? Absolutely. So if listeners want to go to RebeccaBranstetter.com, there's a variety of resources on there. But the one I'd love to point your audience to in the context of what we just talked about is a free downloadable tool. And it's 25 self-care practices that parents can do and 10 mantras you can tell yourself. So it's a combo deal. It's both that self-care behaviors. And these are those like things you can do in less than five minutes to mentally reboot when you're stressed. 
And then there's also the things you can tell yourself, like some of those in a pandemic kind of phrases that I've mentioned before. So, you know, I always have a new opt-in that kind of pops up. And the current one is all around this parental self-care and compassion during the coronavirus, because we have an opportunity when we um, tend to our own self-care and self-compassion. Guess what? We're modeling that for our kids. And I know that self-care falls under those things I know, but don't do (laughs) for parents, for myself, for everyone like that. Yeah, I know. And so this is meant to be a really practical guide for you to circle and put on your fridge. Like I'm going to do this one because we can forget and we love our kids and want to attend to them. And we can sometimes backburn our self-care and that can backfire, particularly when we're trying to (laughs) co-regulate. Yes. Yes, that's great. I'm I'm so happy that you have that tool available. Do you have like a favorite mantra for the holiday season that you can share with us? Ooh, okay. I have to think about that. I think I'm going to go with connection is protection. Hmm. That's great. Thank you. All right. Well, um, listeners, I will have all the details, including the link where you can go um, check out this awesome download, which I'm going to check out and and visit Rebecca's website. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing all of these strategies. There's a lot of different takeaways, and I appreciate you walking us through all those today. Well, thank you, too. I find whenever I do any of these things, I it actually just kind of primes me for doing them with my own family. So as I mentioned at the top of this, you know, that being a professional and working with kids and then being a parent are two different things. And this podcast has really helped me integrate those together. So I am going to be right there along with you um, doing my gratitude jar, my connection chain and, and all of these strategies that I mentioned as well, because even parents who are professionals need reminders as well. So thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash Tilt Parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care. 
where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.